0: Welcome back, everyone, out of your league. Uh, hi, Mark. Hi, Will. How are you? Very well, very well. Good. That's yeah. enough, that's what that'll do. That'll that's that's Let's just get uh, straight to it. By yeah. the way, we came second in the Sports Podcast Awards. Oh, did we? Yeah, which is oh. actually quite a surprise, because I thought we were going to come last. Who out won? 12. Who won? Um, the Rugby Pod with uh, Jim Hamilton and Andy Goode. Oh, well, good lads, played. to good be lads. Lads. Good podcast. Yeah, that not as so good all as all us, that. but um, to listen to it people did vote for us, which is astonishing. Yeah. Thank you to all those people. Thank you to those 17 people that voted for us. So second. She's better than last, so So, congratulations to you, Mark. Um, we're joined this week by a legend, a legend of the game, Mark Flanagan. Yep, Uh, and it's not you, it is the man from down the road, Mr. Adrian Morty. Adrian, how are you? Um, I'm all right, thank you. I need to apologize, mate, because I've come in very late as well. Here, and you know, you're pretending that you like me. Oh, yeah, are right, we've only just met, and I'm half an hour late. Unacceptable, never be late, never Never be late, Mark. Because there's no excuse you should always set off early but i did set off an hour and a half early there's always traffic at five o'clock around manchester yeah do you know why because we used to do it in a coffee shop in town it was quite easy for me she used to walk down the road and uh, mark didn't pot, want to do it cause pot to to kettle, put the chairs away pot's
1: kettle black <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So what's it's that I like right? it's really good it gets too busy so that's why we couldn't do it there anymore yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Is that why, that's why. business is booming business is booming. business is booming adrian morley the first british player to win the grand final in britain of course mark and the nrl yep a I remember, trailblazer
1: I remember watching the game um, when Moz played in Australia in the final I was a massive fan of Moz growing up probably my favorite player he inspired me to try and like a weird like too much of a fan no no just just a poster on the wall maybe a bit yeah. of a shirt I used to run around the the the, the house tackling tackling my sister yeah. like I was Adrian Morley and um yeah inspired me as a kid and uh, now we're mate would say would <laughs> we oh, a bit bit far a bit no, farther we well, far no, no, no. you would go that no, far bless, bless him <laughs> acquaintance to <laughs> no, we'll <go> acquaintance <laughs> yeah.
0: um, Adrian it's great to have you down mate thank you so much thanks so much for coming in I want to get um, we we always like to tap into um, you know your childhood and what you did sort of growing up as a Salford fan a Salford boy you, you you grew up in the sort of shadows of the Willows didn't you
2: I did I did and as a kid it's funny we're at Old Trafford now but before I played rugby league football was my love and passion I was a big man United fan still am mm-hmm. Brian Robson was my hero and uh, I used to play for a club but my my dream was to play for United one day and yep. then uh, went till I went to high school that's when they played rugby league and football and uh, um, put my name down for the football team and then you know put my name down for the rugby team is a bit of an afterthought really but then I had my first game of rugby league and I thought this is it for me you know uh, it suited uh, an aggressive young man uh, more than football and uh, if I'm being honest it was pretty rubbish at football anyway so I was going to uh, say so so <laughs> was, that,
0: was that realistic football could you, could you, no, you do you know what I was, I was all
2: right I was uh, I was a defender I still played football for school after uh, you know once I played rugby league that was my love I joined a club and, and all that but I still played football for school I got us to play for the year above actually so I was all right I got us to go down for uh, software Boy trials but I just thought um you know if you start playing rep stuff football it'll impact on me on, on my rugby league so you know i don't want to say it could have made it a football because it could have been miles away but i, I was okay uh played a bit in net as well uh, but defending uh, a bit bit similar to uh, to rugby league uh, the way i defended anyway but I, I enjoyed it and still enjoyed playing for the you know for the school uh, after i fell in love with rugby league
1: and what what was the first thing that lit the fire in your belly to, to play rugby league
2: just, just the, the, the physical contact. It was, uh, it was brilliant. You know, you could, you know, uh, coming from football, you could essentially commit a foul and not get in trouble for it. You know, you could, uh, you know, bash people, you know, knock people on the floor, and it'd be encouraged and rewarded rather than uh, get red carded. So I just, I just loved uh, the physical contact with and without the ball. It was, uh, it was brilliant. And um, you know, having two older brothers as well, that did help my rugby league career because they were both keen players and uh, used to go watching them and uh, you know played for a club couldn't get enough of it it was uh, it was on uh, national tv as well at that point and it was when Great britain were doing particularly well you know it was it was a time when they was that far against the aussies you know in 1990-92 and uh, them series so uh, absolutely loved it
0: Open the doors then to the to the Morley household for us as as a kid because obviously you know, mentioned your brothers Chris was playing for for Saints when you were growing up. Your dad is from Saint Helens, right? He is. So yeah, was he, yeah. Was he a Saints fan?
2: He was, but um, you know, as soon as uh, you know, met my mother in '68, I think, in uh, met on the Isle of Man. That was the place to go back yeah. in the. Is that uh, like the Vegas of the. City? Yeah, yeah, that was the place to go back the Isle in, of the, Fernand- in the '60s. Fernandos. Yeah, so uh, so my dad moved to 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 Salford. But he's the one who loved Rugby League. My mother, a uh, big Man United fan, so she wanted all the boys to play football. Turned out we, we was no good at that. But Rugby League, that was the, the sport for us. And I just remember my very first um, first time I'd heard of Rugby League was um, 1988 when uh, Great Britain played the Aussies in in the third test. Um, that, that was the one, uh, when we beat him, but it was played in Australia. So the game was on at 6 in the morning. My dad got up at half past five, the old VHS recorded the game, and uh, I used to share a room with my two brothers, so three of us were in the room, and he come running up into the bedroom at six in the morning, eh, sorry, eight o'clock in the morning, boys, boys, get up, get up, get yourself down here, and I thought, what's he on about here, and, and we got down, and he put this game on what he'd already watched, and I just remember the grin on his face, and he explained that we'd not beat the Aussies for more than ten years, and you know the, the the team was depleted with injuries in that no one gives a chance and he and he watched it and then you know from waking up that morning and not even heard of uh all these players but it was when uh, mike gregory scored that left the field try and uh henderson guild a bit of a boogie and all that so then that was the six week holidays going into high school so that really whetted my appetite for, for rugby league and then um just to see, to see his face how uh, how excited and um you know he was for, for great Britain to get the win
0: was Terry Flanagan on that at all no? no he played in 84 four years before one before. four
1: years before but he was around that era yeah but I thought that was interesting you know as a, as a young young man in your teenage age, you're very impressionable aren't you so probably seeing your dad get so excited about an occasion and a sport and a match probably yeah made a big impression on you to towards like what playing that sport can do and how much joy and happiness it can give people. It did and also
2: um, the the, the Great Britain uh, team and, and the badge, I mean, you know, that was an iconic try what, what Mike Gregory scored and, you know, I lived 200 metres from the Willows, as you said before, and Salford were my team, I used to go watching Salford uh, every opportunity I could, but Great Britain were also the love of my life, you know, I couldn't wait to to find out when. You know, with Great Britain away, home against the Aussies or whoever, and <coughs> throughout the year Salford with my team, but then couldn't wait to, to watch Great Britain in action. And uh, I think it's it's a bit sad now that there is no Great Britain team. You know, you know, because I think it's uh, iconic in rugby league, and I think it goes hand in hand. And uh, you know, I think Great uh, the rugby league lost something when they lost the the the, the Great Britain badge and the uh, and the the iconic jersey and, and, and all that. So yeah, I used to used to love watching uh, Great Britain. You know because of that and the fact that they were doing uh, they're doing well at the time
0: take us down memory lane then and those days when you used to walk down to the willows those those long 200 meters to, <laughs> to a game and you know because you i always think you f- you fall in love with sort of the smells the sounds the things as a kid don't you? you know like obviously before you you're necking the beers you know the the sort of the pies the bobble, the the smell of the pitch the players the things what were your memories as a young kid watching software
2: well i used to think the willows was an absolutely huge stadium you know because you know they, they, don't get me wrong they used to get maybe five or 6,000 watching. But as a kid, seemed like there were tens of thousands there just because, uh, you know, that's what you do. You you imagine things that are not quite uh, reality. But I just remember as a kid cheering on Salford, but then the, the big thing to do was when the final whistle went, run on the pitch and go and ask the players for the tie-ups. Now, the tie-ups are just what you hold your socks up with, but, you know, your favourite player, if you got there first, can every types missed it, and they giving you, but they were <laughs> they were proud of place at home. You know they were your badge of honour, your types, and I just remember the smell it used to smell of uh, wintergreen, which was uh, you know you rub on your legs to to keep warm. But just little, little things like that, it was uh, just just what the the, the lads did, and uh, you know if sofa got the win and you managed to get your uh, your heroes tie ups, it was uh, a great day at the office. I
1: was going to say the willows like probably no other ground was so integral in that community I mm. think it was in the middle of all the terraced houses and it was a focal point for many people in that community wasn't it
2: it was uh very very sad to see the Willows going not only the the pitch and the, the ground but they had the, the Willows variety centre which was a uh, great venue you know I've had, I've had loads of great nights there at the at the Willows and used to know the doorman, so they'd, they'd let me in and uh, I've seen uh, I've seen um, shawaddy waddy there i've seen uh the drifters uh, all, these, all these all wow. these classic uh 60s bands and, and that but but it was great because you know you'd have a you'd have a late night you had a late license at the time and you just used to walk home but it was uh, but it was great but it was a bit of a staley
0: vegas wasn't it it was <laughs> a staley
2: vegas but you know a few of my mates had their 18th there and a few weddings there and all that and uh, it's it's sad it's gone but it's uh time moves on but but the willows was was massive and i don't mind admitting this now but when i was You know, short of a rugby ball, we'd wait wait till they got a penalty and they'd kick it over the shed. (laughs) And then, uh, as soon as they kicked it, you'd run around, grab the ball, and you'd have a match ball. (laughs) And then you'd run (laughs) over. Write your name on it in big letters. Sorry, John Wilkinson, if you're uh, watching this, uh, he was the chairman at the time, but uh, things you did as a kid,
0: eh? Yeah, um, do, I'm just thinking. Then, did you at Old Trafford? Did you run on the pitches? Obviously, as a mega Salford fan, to get Mark Flanagan's tie-ups at the grand final against St. Yeah, you did? Uh, actually. Was, <laughs> yeah, you, you and a few others did. You give to me. Hey, Mister, give <laughs> me a tie. There you go, Adrian. There, <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: well, funny should say, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the link there with with Man United and, and Salford. I, I was still always, even though I love rugby league, I was still always a, a United fan, and then um, I knew uh great britain played there and uh the first opportunity uh i got to play for for great britain against the aussies it was uh old trafford mm. and um no sorry i played against the, aussies the week before at wembley i was i come off the bench and the following week at old trafford uh i started against the aussies and we, we actually beat the aussies so the first time i played at old trafford for my beloved great britain we, we, we beat the aussies which is no mean feat and uh, but I just remember going into the uh, the players bar after the game, and first person's come up to me was my mum and uh, give me a big hug, and it was uh, happy days, it was
0: amazing. Um, so go on then, the, the obvious question has to be the boy that grew up on the terraces at the Willows, dreaming of playing for Salford, didn't start at Salford, it, it all went full circle, and I'm glad you, you got to put that Salford shirt on at some point, but. Leeds so so how how does Leeds runners come about then as a kid because you were you were making your debut at sort of well you were playing first team at 17 yeah. but take us from the the boy on the the terraces to to, so, to the Rhinos. so
2: we we had a pretty good amateur side but uh, all, all the best players uh, they, they got snapped up when they were still at school you know there was like I, I, my year there was like Sean Long Kieran Cunningham um um Paul Schoolthorpe, and so all the best players get signed at school so then uh, our team, none of our players got signed professionally, so then when we went to under-17s, under-18s, we were suddenly the, the dominant team then, because uh, all, the, all the best players from elsewhere had signed. So then we won the league, uh, and we made the, uh, the Lancashire Cup final as well, and it was at the Willows, and um, I'd had a bit of interest at this point from uh, Lee and swinton had offered me a professional contract which i was just delighted with just just to get uh the offer of a of a contract was uh, was a big deal back in the day but i worked to sign for salford uh but then played this final played well and in the same team was uh we had ian watson uh nathan watson. mcavoy what oh yeah uh now salford come in and they, they signed them two boys but after this final, the lead scout come up to me and um, and said, "We come looking at McAvoy, but we like what we see in you, and We want to talk to you about signing professional." And that's apart from the great Wigan side, Leeds with the you know the best team in the land. Really, you know there was uh, Ellery Hanley was playing for him and Gary Schofield, and then so when these you know the big boys come in for us, uh, I thought you know I don't know what to do here because I don't know if or when Salford will come in for me. So that's when I uh, agreed to to sign for for Leeds. A week later, that's when Salford did ring me actually and say we want to talk to you about coming to Salford. But I thought it's too late now. But out of the out of the, we we had a great team there at Eccles. We won the league and the cup. Five of us signed professionally. Four went to Salford, and I went to Leeds. But out of the five of us, I was probably the biggest Salford fan. Uh, and now you know, I don't do want to have many regrets and. I probably got developed uh, better at Leeds than I would have Salford or, or anywhere really. They were, you know, really good club uh, giving me a chance first team at a very young age. Dougie Lawton was the coach and he had a, a policy then of uh, if, if you're if you're good enough you're old enough so I got I got a chance there at Leeds. But everywhere I went I always kept my eye on Salford, I always watched to see him do well. So I was always uh, you know, that that, that that young Salford fan really was was uh, inside of me and then uh, when I was at uh, so, uh, sorry, uh, Warrington, I was 36, um, uh, 2013, and I thought I've, I've got another year in me. I was talking to Warrington about extending for a year, and that's when Salford and Marwan Kukash rang rang me and said we want you to finish your career at Salford, um, and then there'll be a role for you when you when you finish playing. And I just thought uh, my career would probably feel a bit incomplete if I didn't actually play for my hometown club and, um, and represent Salford and I was I was delighted to to do that and uh, even though for the squad we had we had a fantastic squad uh, I felt we underachieved for the for the players and the personnel we had but it made it no less special for me you know representing Salford and it was uh, everything I thought it would be.
1: Just going back to um, when you signed at Leeds it was Dougie Lawton was quite an iconic character in the game wasn't he? He was. Did, yeah. Didn't he come round to your
2: house and <laughs> come and meet your family and try and when he wanted to sign you? He did. So I played the final on the Sunday, and then uh, Dougie Lawton come to our house on the uh, on the Saturday. Uh, sorry, on the on the Tuesday. But my dad was in awe of Dougie because you know it's an ex Great Britain captain and uh, you know an iconic figure of the sport. And then, uh, but when he when he got there, uh, my dad didn't have a clue what he was doing in terms of negotiating. But D- Dougie you know he said uh, i'll give you your boy three grand a year for three years and i was like wow three grand i said say yeah dad say yeah anyway uh, <laughs> so we 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 agreed but then uh, my dad you know he stayed for about an hour dougie um you know just chatting my dad talking to me about the good old days and then after about an hour dougie said where's the toilet mr marley he said it's up there on your left dougie and then when he left the room my dad looked at me and said uh, when you get that first contract payment you owe me three pound fifty I said, why's that, Dad? He said, the cheeky bastard smoked 20 of my fags. So he just, uh, <laughs> just sat there smoking with me dad for a good <laughs> hour. So I like, love that. It's so old school, isn't was, it? Yeah, well, well, if you see him, you know, you see old footage of Dougie, that's all he did. He'd sit in the dugout, just fag after fag. But, yeah. uh, but he, he was a great coach, great man, manager. You know, he'd do anything for the players. And uh, as I say, he, he gave me my me, me chance. So uh, very grateful to, to Dougie for that.
0: It's weird, isn't it? Because that kind of still happens in the NFL, that sort of stuff. You know, you get the big the bosses of the, of the franchises going around and tapping up kids or whatever and head of the draft and all that. And obviously in the Premier League, we, and the, the, the words tapping up when you all know as a United fan it was kind of there was a, a phase where Fergie used to do it and people used to get in trouble for it. I mean, I was speaking to Robbie Fowler the other day and he said, it's like, amazing how chances like that happen. He, he was at a bus stop and he's a massive Everton fan, wanted to sign for Everton as a kid, Kenny Dalgleish. Thought this kid is, is going to be something, whenever and he just basically picked him up at a bus stop and drove him around Liverpool until he convinced him to sign for Liverpool. Oh, really? You know, so no. like, you mad. get in for that these days. <laughs> yeah, 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 me, yeah. These days, you'd just be you'd be, you'd be locked up, up wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. The, but I guess that used to happen all the time, didn't it? In, in rugby league, it's it's mad how the world's changed. And he was,
1: yeah, um, he, he was quite iconic with his team talks as well, wasn't he, Dougie? Light.
0: He was, yeah. He
2: was, <laughs> uh, well, <that laughs> so. Uh, he gave me a chance when I was 17. I come off the bench uh, Good Friday against uh, Hull, mm. and then uh, he said, "I want you to start on on Easter Monday," and it was it was at Thrumall, um, away at Halifax, and then uh, well, we got to the ground and there was no sign of Dougie anywhere, and uh, I was obviously very nervous. I thought, would not mind uh, Dougie being here just to calm the nerves, give us a bit of words of wisdom, etc." and uh, It got to like 15 minutes full kickoff and I could see some of the first team boys, they were getting a bit edgy as well, you know, where was the coach? And then there was five minutes full kickoff, he walked in the changing rooms with a fag in his mouth. He walked in, he says, you'll beat these today, boys, because they're shit. And then (laughs) turned around and walked out of the uh, changing room. So that was my introduction (laughs) to to first team. But um, it was, I don't know if he was doing it Seriously, I just trying to lighten the mood so everyone could have a. But it was uh, it was quite quite bizarre. But I always uh, remember that 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 team
0: talk. Have you always been massively confident? Because to be playing you know first team rugby at a huge club like Leeds at seventeen and sort of like water off a duck's back. Were, were, were there any insecurities? Was there oh, any imposter syndrome? No,
2: very much so. I, uh, I I was real skinny as a as a kid, and even signing I signed a three year deal, and I just thought, what am I doing here, signing for for Leeds? I was. Uh, I didn't have much confidence in me, ability. Uh and when I got asked to to play first team, I'd only played about six uh, A team reserve games before that. So I just thought, you know, uh, I'm out, I'm out my depth, I'm at my league here. Uh, but it was probably about probably about um, seven or eight games um, playing for the first team that's when the penny dropped really you know for them seven or eight games I was uh, every game I was real nervous that what you know I'm going to get found out in a minute what am I doing here then after about seven or eight games I just thought you know what I can I can handle these big lads you know I'm not I'm not getting shown up I'm I'm, I'm, I'm holding my own and then uh, there was a massive change in it was my confidence growing and then after them seven or eight games i just thought right i'm 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 ready for this this is me now and then the improvement was was dramatic from from just that um no one said anything it was just just me um the screws you know uh, the cog sticking in my head thinking you you you're ready for this and then uh and then it just uh the the, the uh the improvement was was dramatic then and then I uh, was playing for my country. Uh, the, the following year, mm-hmm. it, was, uh, it was the the, uh, the rise was was quite uh, quite rapid.
0: Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, you had six years at Leeds. When you look back at those years, and I mean, really, you and your career hadn't even really got started by the time you left Leeds, and you'd had some amazing memories and won some incredible trophies. But what what do you look back on with the fondest of memories at the time there?
2: Um, winning the, the the Challenge Cup in in '99. Um, we we made the inaugural final in '98. Um, it,
1: Jess Robertson scored that trial, yeah. Didn't it? it was there, there was
2: nothing in, in the final. Uh, Wigan and Leeds were the, were the top two teams all year. We'd had a couple of belting battles against Leeds. We made the grand final, it was the first time it had been a grand final scenario in the UK, so no one knew what to expect. But I loved it, you know. We made the grand final, there was, there was I say only, but there was 40,000 people at uh Old Trafford uh but the atmosphere was was fantastic
0: it was know, an amazing for you as a united fan as well it was
2: brilliant i mean i know they sell it out every year now but the but the atmosphere even that night with, with only five thousand people there was brilliant it was a miserable night which it tends to be on, on, on grand final night but it was it was fantastic and the only difference was um a great try by jason robinson there mm. was um, you know a very intense game uh but, but i loved it now even though we got beat Making that final, I think, gave us a confidence then, and then the following year, that's when we went to uh, Wembley. It was the last ever final at Wembley before they demolished it, and um, we uh, we played in a in a in a final, but i'd only played three games and and they actually i made the the challenge cup final squad as a 17 18 year old i flew down from leeds Bradford airport with uh with, with the first team but i knew i wasn't going to play but i absolutely loved the experience you know staying in the in these nice hotels and you know doing the wembley walk and all that and i thought i made it a goal then to hopefully one day play mm. in, a, in a challenge cup final and then four years later that's when we we, we went down in 99 and uh, it was brilliant. We 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 were favourites, but then the um, start the game we were getting beat ten nil. It was when um, uh, Richard Branson walked out the London uh, oh, yeah. Broncos team. Yeah, it was yeah. quite an iconic uh, uh, photo there of him walking out. But then we uh, we snapped out of it. And we, we we got the win. It was a record score. It was it, scored scored fifty two something. Leroy Revert scored. It's got four, four tries. Yeah, and uh, but it was brilliant. That that was me. You know me uh, without a doubt the. Uh, the highlight of my uh, my Leeds career.
0: Yeah, who I'm just thinking of tapping up? Who did we have on the podcast ages ago? And they said Richard Branson flew him in, in a helicopter, and convinced him to sign. Scully, have been, been Scully. Scully. Oh, Scully yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And he didn't want to sign any any degree. Obviously, yeah, he saw him in the dream. He, 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 pied, he? pied pied uh, pied Branson. Loved it. Yeah. Um, so we mentioned at the top of the show trailblazer. Um, What number were you then in terms of? Were you number one to go to the NRL? Were there, no, were there, other, no. British, there were other? There were the British players, uh, but well,
2: you, well, since the season started running. Um, Concurrent, so it was always a winter sport. Winter word, concurrent. concurrent. Yeah, Cheers, mate. York. Winter in <laughs> England, winter in Australia, but of course, southern hemisphere. Mm. You know, their winters is our summer, and vice versa. So, you used to get a lot of English going over for like uh, two, three months, and then come back. Yeah, yeah and, and a lot of us coming this way, two, three months in the off season. But since the seasons run concurrent in uh, '96, you didn't have any Englishmen over there. Mm. Only because, well, I don't say only because, but at the time he did get more money in, in the UK playing in the Super League. Mm. How times are different now, you know, you get a lot more money playing in the NRL. So there was no uh, English players playing over there and um, until I went over in uh, 2001.
0: And you, and you took a pay cut, didn't you, because you were 23. So, yeah. go on, what what was in the thinking to go and play in Australia?
2: Well, you know, looking at the NRL, and. Um, just wanted to bash some Aussies, didn't? You? Well, yeah, yeah, just didn't like <laughs> a Wanted to, uh, <laughs> to bash him. but but it was and is even now regarded as the the best and the toughest uh, rugby league competition in the world. And I just wanted to to test myself and 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 try and prove myself. Really, I was regarded as one of the the better players over in Super League, but mm. I thought uh, I want to go down under, and um, you know, obviously. Live, live a lifestyle as well it's i heard some great stuff stuff about uh australia and you know uh, the the lifestyle and everything that comes with it and so i just thought i want to try my look down there and you're right i did get offered more money to stay uh in the off leads and wigan actually i got I had two offers you know more money to stay here but it which is
0: insane because you were you know one of if not the best in the world at the time yeah well it, to, it wasn't
2: to, all about money it, you know m- money's great and, and don't get me wrong i did get paid and paid well off the, the roosters but the, you know there was a bit more money on the table over here uh, but really pleased with the decision you know uh, happy, happy i went over and happy uh, how, how well the, the stint was
0: how did a, a home bird a salford boy adapt to you?
2: Oz. Well, do you know what the the first year it was a bit of a struggle, really. You wouldn't think you'd uh, you'd get homesick for for Salford uh, over Sydney, but uh, I was, you know, missed my family and um, just little little home comforts. And um, I actually broke my arm uh, the first year. Oh, I was did You uh, break it on someone's head. It was uh, on uh, Ruben Wicky's head, uh, which you know it's he's not got the uh, uh, the softest head, but it was a funny <laughs> story actually. So I got the ball and. Ruben Wicky was one of the enforcers um, down under and tough, tough guy and I thought, right, he's getting it. So I got the ball and just sprinted at him as hard as I could and threw everything at him with, with, with the ball and he just bobbed down and just dived at me and uh, he basically nutted my um, forearm and, and my mate, with Carlo Napolitano, was watching, uh, my best mate since we're three-year-old, he was watching in the crowd and he was talking and he said he thought he heard a, a tree snap, you know, the noise and he looked round and then... Uh, he said, I got up and played the ball, and then uh, um, he got up, he got up at Marco, uh, Ruben, and uh, both being tough guys. We pretended nothing was, was wrong, and then after about 30 seconds, I knew I was in trouble. And so I, I ran off the pitch, and uh, uh, the physio said, You got a suspected, broken arm. So then they took me to uh, Canberra Infirmary, and as I was walking in the the, uh, the waiting room, Ruben was there with a neck brace on and he turned around and hey, man, you're <laughs> right. but then I didn't know him before that but you know we sat down with him we had we had a good half an hour chat and got to know him well and he's, he's a lovely guy one, one of the uh, one of the good guys so that's how I, how I got to know Ruben <laughs> Wicky. but but breaking the arm
0: so that was a setback
2: it was and, and and don't get me wrong it's even in England if you if you're injured you don't feel part of the team but I felt particularly isolated over there because I was on my own, and you know, I was on the sidelines for seven or eight weeks, so it wasn't uh, wasn't great. And then Graham Murray, who coached me at Leeds, he's another reason I went to uh, the Sydney Roosters and the NRL was because of Graham Murray. I used to love him as a coach and uh, as a guy, and I wanted to play under under Graham. He actually got the sack uh, at the end of that first year when I was there. So then I was thinking, I didn't have a great year. The coach who signed me has been sacked. I don't know where I stand. So then I come back to the UK, and then um, Ricky Stuart was the new coach. He rang me and said, "Look, uh, you're in my plans, Adrian. I'd like you to have you back at the uh, Sydney Roosters." And I thought, I don't want to come back and say, uh, you know, I've played in the NRA. I've, I've dipped my toe, and I want to come back and say I've, I've I've made an impact. So that's when I went back out. And then, thankfully, the second year was uh, it went really well. I got used to living away from home and all that, and. Uh, that that year, that's when we actually went all the way to the uh, to the grand final and it's, won it.
0: It's a weird one, isn't it? Because the, the transition you've seen it with you know more modern day players in terms of really good players who struggled. Is it is it a cultural transition that they struggle? I think with? it's style of play as well.
1: Yeah. You've been there, I, done it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think a lot of um, it's more outside backs that struggle because the style of play is very different. But if there was any player that was suited to the NRL, it was Moles, especially mm. in his aggressive destructive prime i think it was tailor-made to you because the way you played you were just very direct really you were really fit for a front roller weren't yeah, you yeah. and just aggressive and you were probably the most feared man in the game at that point and it just it was perfect for you wasn't it
2: yeah, it, it, yeah i loved it and, and what, what i had to get used to as well was the uh the week-to-week intensity so when i was at leeds there was probably wigan and bradford were in the super league then wigan bradford and Settlers who who uh, when you played against them boys, you didn't know he was going to win. And they were really intense games. Then there was like another tier. You sort of Castleford's, Warrington's, and um, Salford's. And when you played them, you could, it'd be tough for a while, but then you could beat them. Mm. And then there was another tier who were poor, you know, like Huddersfield were in the Super League then, and then you could beat them without really getting out of second gear. In the NRL, it was whoever you played, home or away, it was a full-on... Um, as I, as they say a third income uh, uh, match you know uh, so you have to get used to the week to week intensity you don't play as many games over there but the games you do play are uh, are uh, 10 out of 10 mm. in terms of uh, the intensity.
0: What do you make then of the sort of the modern day temptation for players to go over there because you you can understand the, the pull of it and then the battle that Super League and the RFL have got to keep them over here.
2: Yeah well you know I mentioned the, the, the monetary uh, factor when I was uh, when I went over now there's a lot more temptation because of the lifestyle of the you know the how good the game is and uh they, they, they do there's a lot more money in the in the game in in the NRL not just players' wages but the way they market it and you know every kid plays rugby league in Australia if you're not good at rugby league that's when you try other sports mm. England we've got that, not got that we try football over. and then when we're not good at football yeah, exactly, gotcha when we try exactly. The <laughs> but. You know, if, if, if a lad can go to Australia, get paid two or three times, is what he's going to get paid in the UK. Sun's out every day, there's a beach at the end of your street. Why wouldn't you go and try your luck in the NRL? So I think Super League, you're right, and uh, um, the Rugby League in general have got a job on their hands trying to keep the young British talent from going over. And I'll be honest, when I speak to young British lads, I say get yourself over there it's, mm. uh, it's a some fantastic experience it's and funny.
0: development in terms of what you know you were already one of the best but d- d- did it improve you those Yeah years at
2: definitely you know just that uh, consistently playing at a high high level you know week week to week you know the amount of times I've played for Great Britain or England against the Aussies and mm. we've been a match for them for 70, 75 minutes and they just get us in the last five minutes. That's because they play in the NRL mm. and every game is is, is, is intense for the full for the, for like 80 minutes.
0: What was it like when you came back 2005 to, to Bradford? It, and then, was, uh, it was at the back end of the season, wasn't it? You went straight into a grand final. Was it weird going into that dressing room? It,
2: it was because I still felt affiliated with Leeds and um, before I went to the NRL, Leeds... Their arch enemy was Bradford Bulls, and uh, I used to despise the, the Bulls. They were the uh, the uh, the bad boys, and uh, we had some great ding dongs. We Leeds and uh, Bradford. I remember, it broke broke the Super League attendance a couple of times. Once at Headingley, then once at Odsell so, And when uh, Brian Noble ran me up, said, "I want to sign you for the Bulls." Um, I, I rang Gary eddington I went, "Gary, I've had this offer to go to the Bulls, but I want to want to come back to." Uh, to, to the rhinos i uh, can't see myself playing for them and then uh gary being gary said oh we can't give you any money This they, uh shut the door up, really so so i signed for bradford but to be fair bradford uh, as a club they couldn't do enough for me in terms of uh, looking after me and and you know give me an apartment to live in and whatnot and they was on a bit of a roll themselves and then uh, we went all the way you know um, I played six games from ironically we beat the leeds rhinos in the in the grand final so it was that must have been strange it was strange yeah I've, you know i still had a load of mates uh there at, at, at leeds uh Barry mcdermott in, in particular uh but it was strange but i was there to do a job and I, you know did my best to uh to for, for the Bradford bulls and it was uh, it was it was strange but i'm still pleased i did it and i'm still thankful for the opportunity and i wouldn't change anything but out of all the things i've won that's probably uh, my, my least favourite uh, accolade only because I'd not been with the, the Bradford boys all year and mm. i just come in and just jumped on the bandwagon at the end really. But, <laughs> did it feel
0: uh, weird lifting the trophy and putting It did, you know, if you
2: look on all the, the footage, I'm... I'm
1: You're like Ashley Cole I'm or, a bit, or John Terry. I'm a bit in the, in the <laughs> <John> background. <bandwagon, laughs> yeah, yeah. Joining in with the. lot. I'm lads. a bit
2: in the background because I didn't feel as though I was...
0: Um, so you felt a bit embarrassed for that? A little bit, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, because I thought, you know, these boys have been sweating and toiling all year and I've just come at the end and then, uh, so I'm I'm just, on all the photos, I'm just on the end there, just like... Uh, <laughs> Photoshopped you out. You soon get over <laughs> it when you see your bank balance. Like yeah, that. yeah, so you <laughs> soon, soon, soon get over it. But, it's but a, a mental
0: feeling to have, isn't it, when you've won the, the biggest prize and you feel it, like, a little bit is. like I don't it, really deserve it. Or. It
2: is, and uh, they did a documentary not long ago and um, they come to I call my old amateur club to do some filming and... It wasn't until I, you know, got chatting with the uh, interv- interviewee, uh, and it uh, brought back some memories. But yeah. as I say, it wouldn't, wouldn't change it. But it was a very, quite a strange uh, feeling and scenario. You know, as I say, going into uh, the uh, the lads uh, at that stage of the season.
0: Yeah. So obviously that was just a loan deal from Sydney. When when did you know feel that enough was enough? NRL wanted to come back.
2: Well, uh, we won the grand final in '02, and then. Um, we made two further grand finals, uh three and oh four four without getting the win. But just the, I knew, I knew uh, rugby league was a big sport mm. in Sydney. But I didn't realise how big it was until we made that grand final in '02. And everywhere you looked, there was red, white, and blue flags of the Roosters and interviews every two minutes. And then the um, but I loved the the build up and to, to to play in three grand finals in in six years was uh, absolutely incredible experience. Uh, 2006, um, we didn't make the, the playoffs that year and um, I was talking to the club uh, about staying. I was really, really, really settled there, um, you know,
0: the, the club. Did you out, think at that stage that you'd you'd see out your career in Australia? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, it, it was uh, certainly a possibility. Um, me, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, she loved it over there. And we've still got a load of friends over there and it was just a great, great lifestyle, a great way of life. And uh, as I say, I was talking to the Roosters about signing for another year or two. And that's when uh, we fell pregnant with our first child, mm-hmm. and that's when I thought it'd be nice to have the the family around with us at that special time. So that's when I I told my manager I'd like to uh, go back to the Super League and, um, and see if there's any buns. Well, see if there's <laughs> any buns. But but there was there there was uh, more money than I was going to be offered by the Roosters, but also longer contract which uh a bit of security as well so uh Wigan and, and Warrington both offered me a four-year deal and um I chose Warrington but it was um that was the reason because because uh, I was expecting
0: yeah so 2007 Warrington and again you know not a, a massive stint there but some unbelievable memories and you, and you won three is it three challenge cups yes
2: yeah three three challenge cups and uh, but again the first year was there um it was quite similar to sydney uh, in the fact that my very first game for warrington i uh we played wigan it was on sky and i thought oh, i'm going to show everyone what they've been missing for the last six years and uh, <laughs> i flew out the line the big to man's b- back to banjo um uh, one of the wigan forwards emerald um, carroll that's right and because uh, he's not the biggest i thought he was going to get smashed in. <laughs> and i flew out the line mistimed it and um head clash and i broke my cheekbone so i missed seven weeks and then in my comeback game i rebroke it I missed another six weeks so similar to Sydney I missed a lot through injury and then um, Paul Cullen who, uh, who who signed me mm. um, he, he actually got the following year that's when he asked me to captain Warrington he actually got got the sack um, midway through that year mm. Then I was thinking you know was Warrington the right club and was it right to come back to the Super League and all that and all these things are going through my mind and that's when um, Tony Smith joined the club, and that's when um, we we actually uh, won, won the first bit of silverware of note for uh, 30 odd years. That's when we won the first Challenge Cup, and getting that win that was uh, the catalyst really. Then the shackles were off then, and then we uh, we, we won three uh, Challenge Cups, three three and four years. Won the League Leader Shield the other year, and um, made a couple of grand
0: finals as yeah. well. Amazing time, and would this might been around the time that you would have first played against Moss? I think I sort of first period? played against Moz in two thousand nine for Wigan. So when he was at, so when he was at Warrington, when he was at Warrington, yeah, yeah I that, that's quite a terrifying thought. Yeah, of Adrian was, Morley running it, I absolutely it?
1: shit myself. Yeah. <laughs> I think I had the ball and I saw him, and Moz used to like squint his eyes a little bit, and you could see him like crouch down, revved up, and I thought, I don't want to borrow this. I think I did a quick tip on and give it to somebody else. <laughs> Um oh, Carol. <laughs> Yeah, it might have been Aaron O'Carol, so there you go, pal. Um but yeah, he was always the um the, the measuring stick for, for, for forwards and middle forwards and aggressive players in
0: the game and technically what, what was made him stand out?
1: Technically, that wasn't you technically you weren't the best player, were you? I think no. it was more his his intimidation, his aggression, his toughness. Mm. Um and that just relentless ability to to whack people for 80 minutes. And at the time, there was no one in the game like it. And um, I think when when you would hear interviews with former players in the NRL, Willie Mason wouldn't run at him. He'd, he'd tip the ball on to, to Marco Amelia. I remember him saying in an interview, we saw Mo's running, looking at him and thought, I'm not having this. Mm-hmm. And I think it was that um, reputation of just being absolutely
0: fearless that, they gave him the edge over so many people Were you aware of the reputation I know that sounds a silly question because like, I guess toughness fearlessness is sort of tangible but where, where does it come from in you because it was such a big part of your game and your career
2: Well I, when I come through the ranks at Leeds I, was, uh, I had a teammate uh, Barry McDermott who he had a reputation and I uh, played played with Barry I was in the second row then uh, early in my career and Barry was a front row and uh, I can't remember who we played but then we packed down and then he just like snarled at their full pack and all the front row turned away and you know uh shit it. and i just thought wow that's uh that's respect i won't mind having a having a bit of what bad has got there so i knew you, you know you can't just uh uh just say right i want everyone to to fear me and respect me you've got to do, do the hard stuff first mm. to to earn that anyway uh just, just on my game, I knew I wasn't. Um, you know, look at Paul Scullthorpe, who, who's similar to me. But Scully could do everything; he could pass, kick. He was tough as well. But I couldn't do any of that. But I just thought, what are my strengths? What's got me signed? Uh, you know, professionally, and what am I doing well in the uh, in the in the first team? And, and it was the the physical stuff. So I just thought, right, well, how, how do I be more physical, more intimidating? It's just train hard you know uh, the, the the bigger and fitter and, and stronger i am the better i'm going to be as a as an intimidator as a, as a as a big hitter so i challenge anyone to um uh t- to say i didn't train the artist whatever club i went to i'd used to train like a madman just was it was it
0: exhausting living up to that reputation at times it, it so?
2: was it was but you know once you get to that level it's funny um i mean i had some good fun trying to get to that level you know tackling people and games <laughs> and have that kind of thing but but when it got when it when it was right it was it, it was fantastic when it went wrong it wasn't really the end of the world because people would always have an eye on you and, and there'd be a, a bit of fear there and you could see him look at you and then run the other way and so once you get to like that, me once you get to that level it's easy really like when when barry snarled and they all turned the other way it got to that point where I knew for the fact that people respected us as a player, so you don't really have to do that much anymore. You're already put on that on that pedestal. But uh, going back to you know, I used to train like like you know r- really really hard. Uh, I loved it. You know that that was something um, that I knew made me a better player. Therefore, mm. you know, I used to do all the more. And used to.
0: Did that come from you or coaches as well? Did you, uh, a bit did of both. You bit knew you had a bit to, a bit
2: to, of to. Both. Do that? You know, I, I knew I had to. Uh, you know, as I say, I weren't particularly skillful, but I, but I knew my my what my strengths were, so just to train hard. But uh, I used to love it, and uh, the harder the session was, the more I'd I'd enjoy it. And then uh, you know got to the point where I'd I'd be you know egging on me, my teammates, come on, and, and and all this. But it was uh, it was it was great. But when when you said before, was it a bit of a burden? It it was tough. You know, I played uh, first team for twenty years, and. You know probably for four or five years i was just earning my reputation and then for probably 12 years i was trying to maintain it but it was hard work every week you know thinking right i'm gonna go have to get out for this and uh it, it is it's quite a mental um uh it's quite tapping you know it's quite sapping on your on your on your mental yeah uh, um I, I don't know so you'd have to you know wake up in the morning i i i used to have to get myself in a bit of a the zone as it were but then I, I was really uh miserable and i was really uh to me mates and to me to be quite grumpy to be around grumpy yeah yeah happy. to me mates and my mates on game day my mates and my wife said so you're a knobhead on game day but yeah. it was just me getting myself in in the you knew you had in that the routine. right frame of mind yeah, yeah, yeah and then uh play the game but then just before the game you know i had to get myself wound up to the there's, there's the level if you go over the level you you're knackered. You know you you get red carded and you do yeah. something. I just to have to try and get myself up as close to the level as I could without How actually going that? over it. Well, just being yeah. <laughs> uh, being a miserable grumpy bastard, you know, all day. So and you then, always
0: go into character.
2: Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, on, on, but I didn't I didn't know at the time I was doing this. But it's not till now I know a bit more about sports psychology and, and mm. all stuff like that. Because uh, I remember back and I was a right bad anyway uh, to be around. But then just the my opponents. Used to really despise him and get. A, I didn't know him personally, but in my head, I hated him. You know, just to get myself in in that in that zone, and then, 18 minutes, to try and whack him all over, and then uh, the following start again the following week. then you would start doing your prep on the Monday. Who we playing this week, right? And I, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd just have it in my head that he's. he's he, he's an asshole.
0: So I, you could I, almost create situations. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, uh, <laughs> wow. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it was bizarre. But then, as I say, uh, you know, the, the more I learnt about what was really going on, you know, the more I could uh, uh, control control it a lot better. It was a lot, a lot yeah. better to be around. And then, so instead of building up to the game for four or five hours before, I just wait till I got to the ground. That's when I I'd switch on again. But you know, for uh, the more experience you get, the, the better you are at handling your emotions and mm. and, and all that kind of thing. So, uh,
0: so Matt, it sounds like Frank the Tank, doesn't it? It's like getting someone wound up for the <laughs> <laughs> from old school. Yeah, but like, yeah, pretty So, much. so you, uh, how would you come down from that? Because you, you'd have to, you couldn't stay at that level seven days a week. You'd have to come down, be a be a good husband, to do the be the family <sighs> man, yeah, and, much, and then go back cou- up there again on yeah. match day.
2: Well, as I say, you know, first half of my career, I was, a, I was, as I say, I was, a, um, weren't particularly nice to be around on game day anyway th- throughout the week i was fine but then you learn how to uh how to deal with it a lot better and then uh, i, I like to think when when he had kids that's when it, it changed as well you know mm. uh, because uh, you know that they they have a calming influence on your life i was still aggressive but not um overly aggressive as, as i was but but i think i learned to balance it a lot better and i think when i got asked to captain the team of paul cullen There was a notable change in my uh, style of play as well. You know, instead of flying out the line, doing these rash decisions, I thought I want to try and lead by example rather than, um, you know, being sent off and Simbind and all that. So uh, as I say, there was a change and still aggressive, but not overly aggressive as I was uh, earlier on. Now your reputation
1: for being an enforcer and being intimidating, that was uh, exacerbated a bit when you went to Australia because you had a little black bug, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> tell us about that
2: I did have a bad book so uh, uh, like rugby league in, in Australia is uh, the main sport so they do get a lot of press publicity all that kind of thing and so if you get the paper there's like three or four pages of rugby league full pages and then when they've had enough rugby league that's when other sports get a look in but then there's always something and to be fair a lot of the reporters used to write daft stories just, just because to get their, uh, their their names and and, and you know different people in the uh, in the in the in the press. Now we played uh, Penrith, and um, one of their players, Joe Clinton, who was a young front rower, and um, we we was dominant team at the time. Uh, we, we just won the grand final the year before, and uh, we was we was battering everyone that year. And then he he just did a uh, an article just saying we're not scared of the Roosters. Uh, you know we'll fight fire with fire. We'll we'll match them in the forwards and it weren't particularly uh, offensive, but uh, as I watched in the changing rooms, uh, Ricky Stewart said, have you seen what, um, and I said, don't worry, I've seen it stick and don't worry, it's in the black book. And then, uh, <laughs> well, that was it for me, that game then, I thought he's getting it, this game, and then I, I battered him all over the park, and I come off feeling quite chuffed with myself, and then um, the following week, um, I think we played away at Parramatta, and as soon as I watched in the changing he flew over, he was that far from my face, and said, Right then, who's in the black book this week, Moz? I went, All right, okay. I looked down at the program and I said, Yep, picked a forward at random, and he's in the book this week. And then, uh, sure enough, that game, he got battered all over the park as well then. But then, <laughs> that was it then. Every week, uh, it was a running joke. I had to have someone in the black book. We, but I did
0: the names actually go in a black book, or was it just a. Uh, no, it was just a metaphorical black, black book, <laughs> but it
2: got to the point where. My teammates were coming up to me saying, hey, "Can you put so and so in your black book? Because he's the right idiot." <laughs> how many How many names something. went in the
0: black book over this twenty-year career?
2: Yeah, there was there was quite a few. But then uh, uh, I knew he was onto something, though because um, there was there's about five or six teams in Sydney. So when you went in the town centre, there's always your opponents from other 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 teams out. And then uh, I got chatting to this guy one night, and then. Uh, after about twenty minutes, he just said, uh, "You're not going to put me in your black book anymore." So I just thought words got round, and <laughs> then I just thought, "That's." Uh, How many
0: people went in the black book off the pitch? That's a good question.
2: Oh yeah, good question. <laughs> uh, there was there was there, was Are a there few. people still in the black book <laughs> in
0: 2023.
2: Uh, can't say, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but but it's great for me, uh, just just for my uh, uh, for my personal game. You know, it just gives me a, a goal and someone to focus on and, and go for and. And just try and whack. Really, and you which usually pick uh, the biggest, baddest
1: player on their team, didn't you? Because as a, an enforcer, an intimidating figure, uh, a leader in the middle of the park, for the alpha male in your team to get one over on the the, the alpha male in the opposite team is, is quite a big thing for, for, yeah. for your teammates, isn't
2: it? Yeah, no, yeah, hundred percent right there. And uh, yeah, we had a we had a bit of fun uh, with the, with the black book, but it was uh, yeah, as I say, it was great only because it gave me a. Give me a goal
0: yeah um so i mean you've said it yourself in terms of it there was a slight one dimension to your game then so was there at all a bit of paranoia that if you lost your edge which you needed to make you the player that you were that you that you wouldn't be in, in your later years you know you said just about five minutes ago that you sort of knew that you you couldn't you couldn't take that into your 30s and you, you wanted to go down the leadership route a bit more
2: yeah there, there was a little bit of that however you know having played for so long that i did work on me other game you know my passing game and and, and stuff like that so and uh being, being a captain i think that helped me uh, it did calm me down um me, me aggression down but i think it it rounded me a, 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 as a player really you know having the responsibility of, of of being a captain it made me a bit more aware of what what's going on so i think i, I did improve as a player even though Aggression went went down. I think my uh, skill went this way. Yeah, yeah. So it was like Leader, <laughs> yeah. <Once. laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it was it was a worry, but it was it was good fun, you know, doing doing it all all them all them years.
0: Because you know you did you did need that side to you, to your game, but obviously it had to be controlled, and there were days when it when it wasn't. So so what was in your mind when those days where you did get twelve second red cards and things? You know when it went over the edge so quick. Well, I, I was.
2: <laughs> Do you get a twelve second red card? I did, I, I did, Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. It's Four not been mentioned years, much, is, is no, it? No, no. There, there was, I mean, I, I'm very uh, uh, grateful that, that the coaches at, who I did play under were very uh, supportive, and um, when when it did go wrong, um, I remember uh, Graham Murray, he said, uh, you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs, <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and Ricky Stuart was the same you know, he didn't, didn't want to change my uh, aggressive style. You know, he thought uh, out of all, all the times it went right, the the the, the club and, and the team got a lot more from, from the, the stuff that went right rather than the stuff that went wrong. So they didn't want to change the way I played. So, you know, if there have been a coach saying, right, you know, if you get banned again, you get fined, or or you're not playing for me again, it could have been a bit different, but they were all very supportive and they, they, they wanted to encourage the way I played really. Mm.
0: Robbie Cairns. I know you talked about Cairns, this a lot, yeah, but yeah. was he in the Black Book?
2: No, he wasn't. He was actually... Uh, well, to be fair, playing for Great Britain, you've got 40, uh, 13 players in the Black Book, you know, you just want to do your best for your country and every tackle you want to smash the Aussies, it was... And they knew you really well, because you yeah, were in Sydney. And, and that year, I'd, I'd, I'd come off probably my best, my finest year as a player, I was, I was on fire. I was. You were
1: uh, the baddest man on the planet. I was the
2: baddest forward on the planet, without a doubt. And my black book was working overtime that year. I was battering all these Aussies left, right, and centre. And uh, I just—I've f- never felt like it before or since. But that year, I was the dude. I was the man. And um, I got back to England. I knew this test series was coming up, and I just thought, "I'm going to show my British teammates how to handle these Aussies." I've—I've I've done it all year, and uh, we kicked off, and it was. Um, it went wrong. It was a uh, travesty of justice. Right? It was a tra- travesty of justice. And, uh, uh, what was, well,
0: what a- was what was the plan when that ball was in the air? Well,
2: whoever got it, I mean, no, no, uh, could have been Robbie Kearns, could have been anyone. I just wanted to put the, the biggest shot I've ever put on in my life. And uh, if you look on the video, I'm about 10 metres in front of everyone else. Just,
0: you know, wanted to give it the, uh, give it a, uh, Give it my best, and um, let's let's rewind a little bit. Then I mean, t- t- before the ball's been kicked, and you're in that dressing room. Just just take us back into like the JJ JJ being well, What was going on in your head and tell the full story. Saying.
2: Well, well, uh, I get fired up for games, as you know. Anyway, but that that game was particularly fired up, and then um the game got delayed for uh, traffic getting to the ground. So. Uh, 20 minutes later that's when you're like a caged animal aren't you? yeah that's when the kickoff off come round and I thought right this is it now we kicked off and it was uh it was a travesty Justice, so we kicked off and I flew down and uh Robbie Kearns, he, he he dived at me so uh I thought what's he doing here but he attempted a flying headbutt at me so then I uh <laughs> I slipped the headbutt and he, he caught me on my forearm and he nutted me so he assaulted me Took a dive and got me sent off, so there's no, uh, <laughs> no justice there, is there? So, uh, but uh,
0: that's one no, version of events. Isn't it uh, was, <laughs> that was, that was, that's my version. <laughs> i
2: stick in with that one. But uh, yeah, it was it was heartbreaking, you know, um, just the, the magnitude of the game and and what it meant. And
0: uh, did uh, you know as soon as as soon as you'd made I, that contact, I knew there you were was gone.
2: contact, but I, d- I don't think uh, Steve Ganson seen the uh, the actual incident. It all happened too quick. Mm. And I think he got a message saying it was a bad one. And he's got to go. So, but if it had just put on report, you know, uh, I thought that would have been a, uh, a fairer uh, outcome. But having look at it now, it was a bad challenge, and you can't argue with the send off. But I just thought, you know, it was first first minute of the game. I thought yeah. he could have put a report. But if it had been an Aussie, do you think Ganser would have sent the Aussie off? Yeah, uh, I don't I think know. he would have. But,
0: uh, what, what was that like then, walking down the tunnel into the to the? Dressing rooms at, oh, at Wigan. I, I, I
2: couldn't believe it, you know. I've been being so excited and fired up for the game. I thought we had a great chance, and we did have a great chance of beating him. We was beating him for 70, 75 minutes mm. until uh, they, they they pipped us at the end. But I've just felt uh, that it Is like Is that the first right overriding feeling that
0: you just let your teammates? Yeah,
2: yeah. I remember getting to the changing rooms, and I don't mind admitting I was I was crying my eyes out. I was I was uh, I was in tears. I was I was a mess, and then, but I just thought. If we could hang on for the win, mm. I wouldn't have felt half as bad. I remember um, a few years before Sean Edwards got sent off for Great Britain, mm. um, a bit later on in the game, not the first minute, but they held on for the win, Great Britain. I thought, mm. if they can do that, I wouldn't have felt like half as bad. But, yeah, they, uh, they got us at the end and it was uh, yeah, yeah, I, it was. I was at that game yeah. my
1: dad, yeah, watching as a kid. <clears throat> and it's been mentioned before this, I can't remember who said it, but if you ever watch back the footage of the incident, and watch the Australian players' reaction, nobody does anything. It's a clear high shot, but n- not a single Australian runs in, starts pushing, starts fighting. Now, if it had been any other player, I reckon it would have been on, it would have been like a Royal Rumble, but because it was Moz, there was this level of respect and fear that none of them fancied taking you on. Watch it back. I don't, I don't think you've watched it for the first, for the first time, Will, anyway, but it's it's quite something special that n- no one does anything and i've never seen that in a rugby league pitch it,
2: it, it was funny um so after that they got sent off and they had to have an international tribunal so there was two two english guys and an australian and um and we, and we got there and uh, the australian said uh, if marley would have done that in australia would he got six or seven weeks and the two english lads said yeah hey, but we're not in australia now are we so they said uh uh, he's already served a game because he went off in the first minute. But um, what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to hit him hard in the pocket. So we're going to give him a record fine, but we can get to play in the second and third test. And you should see the Aussie was absolutely gutted. So okay. I did get a chance to play in the uh, in the second and third test. And again, for both of them tests, we were we were winning with uh, five minutes to go. And the, again, they find a way to uh, to win these Aussies.
0: You've always maintained though, you know, despite all the things we've been talking about, that you're not a dirty player. You were you were never a dirty player
2: oh I, I i don't think so i me, mean my opponents would probably argue but a lot of my send-offs and uh, suspensions etc were high shots and um you know if if you go and elbow or punch someone you've not got much of a defense you know you've done uh uh an act of thugger and then you're off but i think if you're going for a tackle and you mistimed it you know you've got a lot more uh um you got a lot more credence and a lot more uh, uh doubt that you did actually mean to go mean to attack or just got it wrong. So ninety five percent of my uh, misdemeanours are tackles that, that went wrong. So, you know, I didn't feel myself as uh, as a as a dirty player. Aggressive, what about when you when did the the old it. knee to the head? Well that was dirty, you know, I said ninety five percent of my uh, <laughs> misdemeanours, but yeah, that was that was <laughs> that was my worst uh it was only—it was only you. a soft one, though. It wasn't? was a soft one. Uh, yeah, it, it took a dive, didn't he? But uh, <laughs> no, it was. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, a, a bit that of frustration. Bit frustration. We had a really, really poor year. You know, I, I'd agreed to sign back at Warrington and a bit of frustration. But uh, Ricky Stewart, I blame Ricky really. Before the game, he actually said, "This, this Corey Hughes is a grub." That's what the, the Aussies use for a bit of a shit house. Anyway, they said he's a grub. If it's any nonsense, I want the first person there just a bang, stick one on his chin. So that was it for me. I got the green light just to lamp this 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 <laughs> lad. In there. But I didn't find out after the, the game. It was Ricky Stuart's mate. So he was like winding us up just so someone could smack him so then he could have a laugh at him. Anyway, <laughs> Ricky had played with him at Canterbury for years before. Anyway, so uh, again, he was being a knob, shoved uh, one of our players. So I just flew in and thought, I've got a free shot. I flew in to clock him and... He went down to play the ball, and then I, f- I ran in like that. for thought, What do we do? And then I just stuck the knee on him. And then, uh, but then everyone just went, What are you doing? The referee, all their players just said, What are you doing? And then ref just said, Sent off. And that was me, my final of a game for the Roosters. So it ended uh, in disgrace. are you doing? What was but, that? Uh, so you, yeah, that was my last game.
0: You, you were um, Britain's most capped player in terms of England and, and Great Britain, 53 international appearances. And an, and an iconic figure in those jerseys. What was so different about putting on those shirts for you? How much more special was it than than playing for, for Leeds and for Warrington and for the Roosters?
2: Uh, well, it was, you know, play, playing for your country. I think it's something very, very special in, in any sport. It's, uh, you know, um, you being been asked to represent, you know, one of the 17 best players in, in the country. And uh, I told you about me, my first um, experience of rugby league. That's when my dad was so excited watching Great Britain. So playing for Great Britain or England later on it was uh the beyond and the end all for me. It was the the highlight of my career without a doubt. So every time, every opportunity you got a chance to do it, I uh used to, you know, t- take it with both hands and, and try and put my best foot forward. So it was it was great, you know, when you line up, sing the last anthem with your your brothers in arms, it's uh it's quite hard to describe but, you know, they they say it's a cliche but the hairs on your neck stand up, it does and uh I never got tired of that feeling and I, w- I was very fortunate to do it for a long time and, and many times as well. It was uh, my first first tour and, and uh, chance I got to, uh, to play for Great Britain was in and my final game was 2012, so it was uh, 16 and a half years between my first and last game, but it still wasn't enough. I would have would have loved to have done it uh, more times.
0: What was retirement like for you? Was it easy?
2: Um, it was. I was ready for it. You know. I feel bad for players who retire uh, through no fault of their own. You know, through injury and or you know, they just don't get asked to sign again by the club. It's when you don't finish on your terms. I think it's quite sad uh, at times, especially when you've not got to the level you want or you've not fulfilled all your all your goals and your and your dreams. But for me, I'd done everything I wanted to do. Uh, I was thirty eight. And it, it, it was really nice, just from a personal point of view, the coach, Ian Watson, he actually asked me to, to play on in, in um, the following year, which I thought it was... uh was that 2016 it, it would have been? Yeah, it would have been, yeah. No, yeah. Would have what, been, been teammates. So what, what would, you have, been
0: there? would uh, you have been there? I was thirty everything,
2: so I would have been turning yeah. 39 wow. the following year. But I, I was 90, 95% sure I was going to retire. And then I had a chat. But then um, we played Bradford in the middle eights. Uh, and I got a whack on my neck, and all my arm went numb, and all my neck went numb, and, and that was a sign for me. I just thought, you know, that I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to call it a day. But, but the fact that he asked me to play on, I thought, um, it's great. You know, it's not, not got to the point where uh, I'm, 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 dead wood. You know, like uh, they, they've only asked me to play on because of uh, me, me reputation or name that I'm actually doing a job and they want me to play on next year. So it was uh, it it, it was nice to finish like that. But as I say, you know, uh, did everything I wanted to play. Played for more than 20 years and uh, to retire, my my body was ready to retire. And
0: uh, what about your mind? And did you you struggle then? Because you've explained you're getting yourself up to that sort of level physically and emotionally every week for, for 20 years in a season. You know, did you, and then suddenly it's taken away from you where did you get those those kids you, you I speak to a lot of guys who've hung up the boots and I think Mark you said as well I don't really miss it at all you, you didn't really struggle mentally with, with not playing did you?
1: No I kind of I think I had a full season when I decided I was going to retire That I enjoyed it and it, I uh, revelled in every last training session last trip to Castleford or Warrington or wherever and I just enjoyed and savoured that last year uh, but no I, I, I think for me Similar to Moz in a way that you know he got hard work, getting myself up for every training session and every and every game. I think if you're an effort driven player, which we were both were, much much better than me, I'd say. Um, it does take its toll on you, and I probably I did twelve or thirteen years. Moz did eighteen, nineteen. So um, it does take its toll on you. And I think
0: for me, it was just it was just the time. I mean, I'm not saying like it's not coming out of jail, but was it an easy transition to normal life and to not having that sort of impact and contact and training Yeah, every day? It,
2: it was. It was easy in terms of it was a relief, uh, like what Flano was saying, that you, you don't you don't have to get up for for games um, or, or anything like that. So the pressure was off in, in that regards. But it was the the day to day stuff I missed, you know, being with the lads every day, training with the lads every day, having the, the camaraderie every day having done that for 20 years and then suddenly it's not there mm. I was fortunate that I did stay involved in the sport at Salford and at Leeds different roles you know coaching and on the commercial side so I was in and around the lads but it still wasn't the same that he's still not a player he's still not trained with him you know I still kept up with training but it's a lot different training on your own than it is mm. training with your mates and your and your teammates and the in the conditioning and whatnot.
1: Do you think you'd have a job for life at Salford after you finished? Uh,
2: well that was the uh, Marwan, Ma- Ma- that was the dream. Marwan did, soul sold us the dream. He said, you he know. He sold a few dreams to people, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He said, come and finish your career and there'll be a role here for you. And, you know, Salford lad, you've had the career, you've had We See You as the uh, ambassador kind of thing. But, you know, looking back, Salford's not the type of club that has got the finances or, you know, to, to carry someone in that role and fair play, you know. Uh, uh, I'm not no problems with the club or even my one. You know, it just uh, a bit just disappointing the way the way it panned
0: out. Mm. Did did the idea of coaching never turn you on?
2: Well, I, I did try it when I had a year at Salford, then I went to Leeds, but it didn't really float my boat. I was the academy coach for a year, and it, I knew I wouldn't get the same enjoyment from coaching as a, a as a, as I a would playing. But you know, it's not 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 that um, as I say I knew it would, but it just didn't even go in no near, and. There were some parts about the, the job I liked, but majority was uh weren't great. And, and as I say, uh, even when you're not playing, you know, coaching, there's still a big commitment on your time, like your your weekends and your Easter and summer holidays. And mm. I've got three young kids, and um, I just thought, I'm still, even though I'm not playing, I'm not getting the same enjoyment out of my job, and I still can't go away and do what I want. I've not got the flexibility. So that's that's the reason I've come out to sport. Um, I still love the sport dearly, but I'm glad I'm not in all day today. I'm glad I'm not uh, at a club.
0: Because you are still a baby, really, what are you? Forty-five. Forty-five. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of living to do now. I mean, do, do you feel a freedom after having played and having committed yourself to that game for so long, or are you a thirst to stay involved?
2: No, no. Um, as I, I love the sport. Still, still watch as many games as I can. Uh, I've got two boys. They they love it. I like taking them, but. I'm glad I'm not involved day to day, you know. Uh, but it's not to say I might not get involved one day. But I do do bits of media stuff. But I'm quite happy having a having a, having a break. And if that break lasts forever, so be it. If it if it doesn't, it doesn't.
0: Because I think you have kind of answered this, but I, I'm amazed the amount of um, sportsmen and women in different sports that I speak to when they've when they've finished and they have actually have time to reflect and look back on what they've done. And I think you kind of said you you've you surpassed all your dreams, right, and your expectations. Did you? feel like it was as complete as it could have been the adrian morley story
2: yeah pretty much you know as a uh, as a young lad playing for eccles i wouldn't have imagined i would have had the career i've had um you know even though i was i was good, pretty good as an amateur, but i never really made any of the rep sides you know in lancashire or or, or uh, anything like that so um i think it was a bit of a late bloomer and um you know some some players are like that jamie peacock's another one you know he, he didn't do a great deal till he was 1920 so i think i was that but not as late as jp but um yeah just just to uh play first team was a big dream but then you sort of get regular first team what's next england and then great britain and then you know you just keep keep trying to uh, make goals for yourself and you know thankfully i kept uh kept kept reaching them goals you so,
1: good, so i was saying it's a great example of you know perseverance and having that self-belief because And there's a lot of kids that might not reach the rep sides of Lancashire, whatever, whatever sport it is, whatever region you live in, at 15, 16, 17, and then you kind of give up. But if you've got that perseverance and that mentality to kind of work hard, your life and your career can take you anywhere. And I think Moz and JP are two of the the modern day greats Mm -hmm. of our game. So it's it's, um, it's, it's, it's quite funny to think that at, at that age, they weren't really wanted, and then they become two of the best players we've ever produced?
2: Well, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, rugby league is a lot on now you you develop physically. Like there was lads when I was 13, 14, never getting signed professionally off Wigan and Warrington, and, and they were massive, they were monsters. But then, you know, got to 16, 17, they, they didn't grow then. And then in the programme, they never did anything. And then there was lads who were, who were really average uh, when, when we were kids. Mark. Malcolm Alker, he never, he couldn't even get in the Wigan Saint Jude side. When well, then he got to 16, he grew a bit. Uh, myself and JP, and then so players develop at different ages and different levels, and it's it's heartbreaking when kids, uh, you know, get lost to the sport like this uh, when they're on the scholarship uh, system in clubs. Get to 16, if they don't get offered a, a pro contract, but they're they're heartbroken and and they could could get lost to the sport. Whereas you know, if they stick with it. You know, you used to it's not to say you couldn't be a late developer and then 17, 18, you've got another Jamie Peacock on your hands. Or, or Adrian, a, have Adrian Morley. we got another
0: Adrian Morley in Leo Morley, under-16s at Salford. Are, are you are you a good watcher? Of the yeah, game?
2: yeah, I'm, I'm a good watcher. Uh, you know, I uh, uh, keep keep my opinions to myself. Um, Why is that? Well, no, no, <laughs> no, I mean, I've not got strong opinions, but I'm, I'm not one of these uh, parents who, you know, overly... Uh, uh, Encourage into the to the kids are overly um, critical of the referee. Uh, you know, I just like to watch the game, but he's doing okay. He's. he's I, don't, I don't
0: think he needs any more pressure with Adrian Morley. Well, uh, I feel
2: too, sorry for him in that regard. You know, everywhere he's had it since he was a since he was a kid. You know, are you going to be better than your dad and all that kind of thing. But I think it's something he's learned to live with, and it's just just part of life now. But I've got another son as well, uh, Jonah. Uh, he, he's seven. He's just started playing, and uh, he, he loves. Is he it. in Salford as well? No, not yet, but uh, oh is it Salford Roosters, is that the uh, Eccles changed the name from Eccles amateurs to yeah. Salford Roosters, but he's there as well. So we've got I've got another one on the conveyor belt, but um, he he's only played about five or six games but he's he's pretty good. He's he mustard c- isn't he? Hey he's mustard. He's he's good because he, 'cause he's got an older brother who's been knocking holes out of him since he was a kid. Yeah. But he's he's obsessed with it. He wakes up in the morning, first thing he does is puts uh, a Super League game on. You know, look at this dad castle playing playing Huddersfield you know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah but he, you how, know, how
0: proud does that make you that they've followed in your footsteps without any kind of force to do so oh
2: it's great I mean uh I know what what the game forget about playing pro but what the game can uh uh teach you um uh personally and also the friendship you bond for life then with your mates like I'm still best mates I don't see any of my schoolmates, but the lads I played with when I was 13 at Eccles, absolute best mates with them lads, because rugby league, you, you do forge a, a strong bond and friendship. and um, So I'm, I'm just delighted they're playing. If, if they can make a quid out of the game, brilliant. But I'm just happy they're playing uh, you know, rugby league rather than other sports. I
1: reckon if they asked Jonah if he's going to be better than his dad, he'd say,
2: yeah, too <laughs> right. Yeah. He could very well be, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's pretty
0: good. Yeah, has he got a strong right arm in him, Leo? Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it takes after his his, his mother really. His, uh, so he hasn't, got,
0: he hasn't got that same edge. To, to he's not, you got had, the, has he? not got the aggression. No, no.
2: He's, uh, but he, he is he is a good player. But not many people did have the. Uh, the, uh, the
0: aggression, the, 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 the <laughs> aggression well, it was just the right. Arm, it was a left arm as well, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Robin and the, 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 the Kerr. <laughs> Kers- left elbow, I'm and just any, trying to and just yeah. throw your any body out of the body. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about England then? What do you make of this this England team? Because we should say that England's men and women hosting France 29th of April, that mid season international, uh, who excites you in the England team?
2: Uh, I'm, I'm
0: a big fan of
2: uh, the two Saints boys, uh, Wellsby and um, Dodd. Yeah, no, the loose forward. Oh, Morgan, Morgan, yeah, I've yeah, lost the Morgan no on him, yeah. But yeah, I, I just think uh, they're they're mid me, me two uh, uh, boys at the minute. I just think they're uh, they're a lot like we spoke about. You know, just the effort and just like chase everything, and uh, that's what you want and that's what you need for club and country. But well, I was just really, uh, I, I was very excited watching the England team last year in the World Cup, but also disappointing that we we, we lost. You know, we, we failed at the. Well, it wasn't the final hurdle, it was the, the one before the final hurdle. But I think if we would have made the final, we would have given the Aussies a hell of a game at Old Trafford. I just thought, I think the boys had their eye on the final rather than uh, what, mm-hmm. what was in front of them. And, you know, I don't think Australia were the best team in the World Cup, I don't think they were outstanding. I just thought if we'd have got there with 70,000 people there at Old Trafford, I thought you know all, all the stars are aligned there. we're going yeah. to wear uh,
0: how hard is it to get over things or something like that do you think and how much is like sean got his, his work cut out well, trying to psychologically get them back
2: well look, up until that semi they were, they were they were on fire weren't they they were they were they were fantastic and even in that semi having done everything wrong they still put themselves in a position to to possibly snatch it you know in, in uh right at the end in, in golden point but it was disappointing but i think blooded a lot of young lads and uh, the, the lads who played were be better for the experience and um he was certainly the one that got away but i just think uh under sean wayne i think he's the best man for the job and i think the england team is looking uh, uh as good as it has for uh, for a few
0: years can you can he lead them to a world cup sure yeah definitely you know what he's like as a person and he's you know he's been on this pod many times but that that would hurt him probably more than the players right he, he would feel like he's failed and he said it himself like he's let yeah. people down and himself
2: no, i i know he wears his heart on his sleeve i actually um i met him the day after actually there was they were staying in the marriott and i went and had a pint with him and uh i know he took it hard mm. took it personally but that's what you want from a coach you know um you know the players they they do so much but the coach you know that they they do uh so much as well so uh the fact that he's hurting means it means he cares about the country and uh he cares about his position which is only a good thing i and think
0: it's right for him to stay on right because a lot of his story has been about redemption and putting things right and you, you think that he's already sort of plotting a way to to put in this story and uh, making it have the hollywood ending that he thought he thought it should I, have.
2: I think so uh you know i got asked who, who would i have as uh when he was negotiating his new contract i i i said uh, I, I think Sean Wayne I don't think there's any other better man for the job I'm delighted that they uh, you know give, give him another contract and uh, I think he's delighted I know what it means to him
0: yeah uh, let's finish off then shall we a couple of quick fires for both of you Mark you can join on this one Ooh, that's um, nice. toughest opponent Moz over the years was who
2: this guy here <laughs> come on oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> true true, no, true. The, the NRL had a, had a lot of uh, tough opponents uh, Gordon Tallis was a he was intimidator, he was one of my heroes growing up and you know um, a lot of his game i uh, tried to emulate big God, he was up there and i mentioned before reuben wicky uh, he's got a hard head Ruben uh, reuben Wickie, but but every player in us Aust- in, in in the nrl every team had a had a, had a, had a tough guy and well there were tough guys who were just tough about being aggressive uh shane webke was one at, at brisbane and they had another lad Pedro Sivanesiva, there wasn't much, they weren't dirty players, but they were just so tough. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think now where my my ultimate uh, opponent would be probably. What about over here? uh, He's already said me. uh, Uh, Yeah, no, I think playing against Sam Burgess before he went to the NRL, I knew he was going to be a, a special talent for someone so young to be. So dominant when he was at Bradford, and I got a chance to play with him at England, and uh, I think he was only eighteen, and he, he, he hammered a few more more. I just thought this lad's going to be something special. So even though me, me and Sam didn't have many ding dongs together, I just thought he was probably the best player of of I've, uh, I've played with um, for, for England. Um, and, and you know, we went on to have a fantastic career ourselves.
0: Mark, we'll keep you out of the quick fire just because we'll let, probably edit you out anyway. Just keep it about Mosbourne and mind you here every week. We'll maybe do yours next week. That's all right. All right um, career highlight? Uh, if you'd have asked me
2: six months ago, I would have said uh, representing my country. Um, you know, I mentioned before it's uh, it was the pinnacle of my career. It was uh, something very, very special. I'd never get tired of it. But uh, about six months ago, I got inducted into the Rugby League Hall of Fame and that trumps everything I've done to be recognised by uh, your sport you love as one of the uh, um, You know Hall of Famers. It was a uh, magic magic night for me and my family. We went down to Wigan. It was uh, Very emotional. It was, it was great
0: best teammate.
2: Oh This man again, but <laughs> uh, uh, I think Jamie Peacock uh, you um, we, we were similar You've age. got a special friendship with JP. Yeah, we are we similar age, me and JP, and um, even though I come through a couple of years before JP, um, as soon as he made the national squad in 2000 for the World Cup, we, we just hit it off, uh, same position, same mindset, uh, same lots of things, and then uh, I got to play with JP internationally for 11 years after that. and. Uh, Still, still good mates now, and uh, so I'd say. Uh, so
1: JP over Barry Mack?
2: what? So. <laughs> <laughs> different, different type of teammates. But the, 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 you know every every club you go to, you you know it's like uh, you get your characters, and you know I'm I'm still really good mates with lads who played with at every club. But uh, I think uh, number one would probably be JP. Yeah,
0: favourite coach Graham. you talked about before. Is he is he the one? Yeah,
2: Graham Murray. Um, love love the the way he coached i mean he wasn't uh he was a very very competent coach but he wasn't a coach who did anything out of the ordinary um but the way he brought the team together and um just his man management and i think that's half the battle if you're a good guy and and, and players know that and they want to play for you i think that's uh that's uh you've cracked it there and everyone loved Moser and everyone wanted to play for him so uh and the fact he took me to australia where you know i had six of the best years in my life, uh, I'd say Muzzle.
0: Biggest regret, and I know you said earlier, maybe joining Bradford, is that, is that still it? Or uh, no, or no. What happened with Bradford? Uh, no, that's
2: not a That quite the opposite. I, I would never change what, what happened. It was, uh, you know, having got the opportunity to, to play in a grand final, and you mentioned before, the only Englishman to to, to win, win down under an air. Um, I wouldn't change that. Uh, biggest regret? Uh, it's a, it's a really good question. i not thought of it. You know, I'd, I'd like to try and live my life without having regrets. The I'd long hair with the long hair regret. <laughs> no, no, the long <laughs> flowing locks you had for a few yeah. years, didn't you? I did have long flowing locks. Do, do,
0: do you? I mean, we we talked about it, but do you regret the Kerns Day situation or not? Oh yeah,
2: yeah, definitely, definitely. If I if I could change um, that that moment, that incident, certainly would have. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say that. Really, it was uh, you know pretty heartbreaking at the time, and still. Um, you know, who'd have known if I'd have stayed on? Um, could we have beat the Aussies? I don't know. Uh,
0: and finally, rugby league wish your wish for the sport, your wish for the game would be what? Um,
2: great question. Um, I, I just hope, um, you know, with this new deal with the um, with the with the media uh, mob, I just hope and pray rugby league starts getting the recognition it deserves. And we, you know, we've seen a lot more money streams coming into the sport. You know. In my opinion, it's the best product we've got, the best sport in in the world. But when you watch it on uh, on Sky, then you watch other sports. I'm thinking, am I missing something here? Why why do people not love this sport? So I'm hoping this um, you know with with the with the new deal we've got with the um, with the guys that they get it in the spotlight. We get it where we where it needs to be, and um, you know we got all these new sponsors in uh, a lot more money, in, and then we can um, you know make it. We know it's the best sport in the world but we can make it as big and successful as it as, yeah. as uh as we want it to
0: be and that's a good place to finish mark because remember we've had eddie hearn on and he said on a, we shouldn't take yeah. everything eddie hearn says is uh, sort of gospel and yeah. something we should focus on but that he could what name two two rugby league players at the time when we had one a couple I think of years jerry ago
1: jerry peacock was the one that we mentioned yeah and then, um,
0: but that's this is the idea isn't it we need adrian yeah. morley's and this that deal and, and you know yeah we, and the way the game's going
1: with the, the the big crowds that have started the season the pre-match entertainment the great matches we've had on since we're in the World Cup Challenge, it's definitely going in the right direction, and yeah. just needs that exposure and just more of the same from from all the clubs in the game. And the players have been delivering for a long time, so that needs to continue. And it's great to have the big man here. I think, like I said, probably one of the best players the country's produced. Great stories. He's great on the after dinner circuit as well. I've heard him many. You were behind time. that when you're the enforcer. <laughs> yeah, but he's yeah. D- he does. But you, were, does you it, enforced the enforcers. I did. was, yeah. <laughs> um, but he's, he's 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 great on the after dinner circuit as well to tell some. Great, great yarns, and um, he's a good man. And who, who
0: do people contact Mark for if they want to hire Adrian Morley? Me, for I'm his agent. Do they <laughs> slide into my DMs? Can we and put
2: these phone number? Here, yeah, yeah. There. Mark's <laughs> number at the bottom. That could be dangerous. Nice no, little buns.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Moz Ledge, thank you so much for coming down. Thank it's you. been great to spend the last Cheers. hour with you. Um, so many great stories, and um, yeah, don't forget to give us a little follow at Out of Your RL. Download, subscribe, review five stars only. Uh, we're still at four point eight, Mark. Um, I don't know if we'll slide even further over the next few weeks but this episode should take us back up there into the fives Moz thank you so much see you next time everyone